Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the tropes and trends of the horror genre. This is episode 176, where we are talking about the movies that made us. This is Mike Campbell, and I am joined by... Eric Lee. And... Liz Williams. Yes, this is kind of, uh, this is, I will say, this is like... um, uh, this is the the uh, the greatest rational uh, rationalization for why we like horror films, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're rationalizing our both our fears and our love of the horror genre. This is very personal. This is this is get close <laughs> close to your hosts. Yeah, and the scariest things. Us, huh? Get close to your hosts. All right. Well, that's that's the, well. There's your tagline for I know uh, I like episode one seventy six. Get close to your hosts. I am breaking my films into three categories. Mm. The mm. Uh, the I'm sitting at home alone watching creature feature in the early seventies by myself mm-hmm. on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sleepover. Uh, everybody's sub, got one of subcategory those. and then the VHS subcategory. I think those are, that's where you get the films that made it. Those are the foundational pieces and parts of what makes you freaked out and yep. why your uh, lizard reptilian uh, part of your brain is still buzzing all these years later. All right. Uh, for me, I, uh-huh. I've got, um, I've got a foundational piece. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually not going to do because there's one movie that I've talked about a lot about my experience uh, with my my experience with the thing. I think I've told that story. Oh, like, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got, but I have two other special moment. Okay. Movies that have gotten me to where I am today, doing this with you guys. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. All right. Mine are um, all from when I was like little to probably like fourth grade. That was a sleepover movie that we'll yep. talk about. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm skipping my seminal. I saw Night of the Living Dead when I was way too young and that's when <laughs> I picked it off. Yeah. These are more, you know, th- parents bring them home from the video store because they're like, these are probably for kids. No, in the 80s, things that were for kids were not for kids. So <laughs> <laughs> it is true. <laughs> The box, the box does lie. The uh, box does lie, and just because it's a cartoon <laughs> does not mean it's for children. Right. So. Uh, what was uh, Eric? What was the film that uh, made you want to do a podcast in 2017? <laughs> we'll get to it. Oh, we will get to it. Okay. Yeah, is, so there yeah. was there is a film that you went, huh? It'd be fun to sit down for 45 minutes well, to an okay, hour I, I, and blather I, I, on about that let, let movie. Off, Eric. Let, uh, actually, I think I'm going to couch that. It's a little bit, it's a, a slightly different response. But if I'm okay. Um, oh no, I think I do. I think I've got it. I, okay. I think I, I think I think I can tie the. Eric's one delving of my deep into I know. himself. I know. That's work. right. It's very yeah. introspective. Analysis okay. of why do I do this? Okay. What's huh. why you know? Okay. Uh, lean lean back on that uh, chaise yeah, lounge. I like it. Lean, <laughs> lean back. <laughs> Tell me what so. you don't like about yourself. Uh, <laughs> a little nip, a little so nip talk well, there. I, I'll I'll start off by saying the the movie that that really from the very beginning that told me I'm a monster movie fan. Uh huh. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm a horror movie fan. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I was six years old. Woo. When I saw this, and uh-huh. this is I saw. Uh, I was six years old when I saw King Kong. Oh, right. The nineteen the nineteen thirty three Marion Cooper, Willis O'Brien, not Jessica Lange and Jeff no. Bridges. No, I was sorely disappointed in the <laughs> seventy six one. And Charles was, Grodin, because you know why the seventy six one was so so disappointing. Why? No dinosaurs. Oh yeah. Okay. There's a giant snake. Yeah, it doesn't count. Oh, okay. That does not okay. count. Snakes and, don't and count. Wrong buildings. <laughs> Long buildings, and plus it didn't look like a gorilla, it looked like a guy in a gorilla suit. Um, so you know, I I was six years old, and I was uh, I was with my parents, uh-huh. and we went to go see that my my parents, my dad was a young professor at UC Davis at the time, and um, they were in, we were invited to go to some of his colleagues, um, right, and uh, and I didn't want to listen to them lather on about fisheries biology, which I still wouldn't <laughs> want to do. Um, and so, but they said, hey, we got a television in the back. Uh-huh. And um, my sister fell asleep. Uh, and so I got to watch uh, KTVU Channel 2 with Bob Wilkins. Woo! 
creature feature. Yeah. Uh, this is he is. I, I know that our friend David Dustmalchin also likes to reference his his love of horror hosts, and in in the uh, Sacramento area it was, uh, and and in the Bay Area, it was Bob Wilkins. Um, and this was my first real experience with it because it was like there was, it's like I was either going to watch that or watch. You, you, let's make a deal or 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 Kojak or something like that. And it's right, like, right, but, right. But all of a sudden I got to see, they, they, they showed the uh, an RKO radio production of King Kong. And um, this was, it was pure magic because also there were dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. And, and, and it was so, the, it was, it, it was a black and white television. Mm-hmm. So of course, black, the, it, the, the the gorgeous black and white and the amazing like I I didn't I didn't know these things were possible and 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 to that day I think the the Willis O'Brien effects were still better than most anything that was done in 1970 that you would put on the screen so this was this was 1976 that I that I saw this uh-huh. right and and I think the reason why they were doing King Kong was because the you know De Laurentiis King Kong was about ready to come out and so they were you know they were oh pushing, sure sure sure, they were sure. pushing this. Um, and so, you know, and I, and when I was a kid, I was so into dinosaurs that I was in as a as a first grader, I did a presentation about the geological timetables to a kindergarten class. I don't think anybody got it, but take like that, I knew take that fisheries yeah, biologist. Yeah, it's like I know it was <laughs> but I knew I knew my my uh Silurian Ordovician all that kind of stuff I still know to this day from what I learned how to read as a 5-year-old was dinosaurs. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. So this is, uh, you know, again, 15 years before Jurassic Park would arrive. Yeah. Um, this is, there was a lot of this cross-promotional stuff about about King Kong. And after this, I was, I was scared because when, particularly the moment where Kong busts through the, the subway uh-huh. and his head comes through, yep. I think I screamed <laughs> and my parents checked on me. Um and also when his hand, when he goes in and he and he's climbing the building where Fay Ray is, uh, and and Darrow's in bed, and the hand comes through and he grabs her and he pulls her out and he's gonna go climb, the, climb, the, and 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 it was oh my god, it's a, it's gonna he's gonna eat her. Um, I couldn't get enough. Um, and and so my school library had these hardbound monster series books from Crestwood House. Now I don't know if you're from Mike since you're. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, age. Yeah, 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 yeah. These were orange hardbound books. Oh yeah, I totally they, remember them. And they were they maybe had like fifty pages in them. There was like Dracula. Yes. There was like the Mummy, mm-hmm. Frankenstein, where uh, the Wolfman, and, so, yep. and the Blob, and yep. the Deadly Mantis, which yep, was, yep. was was like, hey, go figure. Um, but the, they you can still get them online yeah, uh, yeah. if you look on Amazon. But this is uh, this was a thing that right at this time they were they were new and so that they were new to the library yeah. and so i just had those books on constant rotation so this is how <laughs> i learned about horror movies yeah. I, yeah this was that all of a sudden i was in i i i loved you know it's like and and i couldn't get enough of it phantom of the opera or or whether it was dr jekyll and mr hyde and yeah, th- but that was you know that was all the books that I was checking out from from Valley Oak Elementary uh, mm-hmm. Library. I I yeah. loved this stuff, and and um, so that was the little boy moment for me. Heck uh, thank yeah. you, thank you to Doctor Ehrman for letting me hang out in his back in, in the back room <laughs> and watching King Kong, because if not for that, I wouldn't be doing this today. Or probably I, it may it may have come out very differently. It it it, yeah. it gave me a very early start. To like monster movies and therefore horror movies. Yeah, heck yeah. Now, when was the last time you went back and rewatched the original King Kong? Oh, you, is this a, is this a thing that you go back to I'll, I'll on a regular it, basis? Yeah, I'll see it every three or four years. Okay, because it's, it's not that long. No, no, it's only about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, which is perfect. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but it's you know the the you you realize how how skillful Willis O'Brien was and all the tricks. The one thing that I really wish that they had, like I'm also a fan of the Peter Jackson one, which gave us the trench, you know, the 
when I also remember being scared when King Kong started taking the rolling the log and all the all the the sailors were falling. Oh in yeah, this yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. They didn't. They they actually uh, RKO. They 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 edited out the sequence where the the sailors land in the pit and got just demolished by bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson remembered that, and he came back and gave us the bugs and the, and the right. slugs and all that stuff. It was just, you know. The, now, what about Kong Skull Island? Where are you at? Where are you at with that? It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. it's it's. I think it's it's entertaining. I sure, like, sure. It's got monsters, but it is not. It's not true King Kong because I want to see my my King Kong look like a gorilla. Right. And and uh, and, you know. Kong Skull Island didn't want to make me cry like <laughs> 1933 and the and the and the and, and the 2008 uh, one where it's like the it's like the sad farewell to the to the yeah. king and yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah 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 that had the, that that movie gets me it still does I love yep. that movie. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of crying, uh, <laughs> the, I, I had a very similar experience uh, with a giant person. In the 1970s, courtesy of Creature Feature, this is the Burt Gordon film, uh, War of the Colossal Beast, a.k.a. (laughs) Revenge of the Colossal Man and the Colossal Beast. This is the follow-up to Gordon's earlier film from 1957, a year before, called The Amazing Colossal Man. This was uh, one of the very, very first American uh, international pictures films. And this one was billed as a double feature, double feature drive-in film with The Attack of the Puppet People, which I've actually never seen Attack of the Puppet People. But this is also in the same way and largely cribbed from uh, the the same sort of empathy that you derive from King Kong, it's cribbed from that exact same storyline where you empathize with this this giant being that has no place on planet Earth and has you know no friends and is left to live a very lonely and horrible existence. Um, of course, this was you know from uh, the ni- late 1950s. It would predate. Uh, the Incredible Hulk by what six six years, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah uh, I think sixty eight. I think was yeah. The, whether the or not yeah. Marvel Comics are the ultimate ripoff artists or not, yeah, it's for you to say. But this does involve uh, a uh, army uh, colonel who is blasted uh, through an atomic bomb and beset with you know gamma radiation, and he turns into this giant horrible human being. Uh, this is the second. So in the first film, in the first, um, uh, the, uh, in the Amazing Colossal Man from 1957, his face is totally fine. But at the end of the Amazing uh, Colossal Man, the army descends upon him at the Hoover Dam, uh, shoots him up. He falls off the Hoover Dam and has this massive uh, concussion oh, on the side of his face, which for hitting the dam from hitting or stumbling down the side of the dam. And so what you'll see in this one, and this is probably the more uh, famous image of the two is that like the whole side of his face is misshapen and one of his eyes is, is gone. And it's just this dead black hole going into his head. Um, the, uh, the special effects are wonderful uh, in that um, they largely stay away and out of focus, so you don't get too close into them to see how hokey they look, uh, coupled with the fact that the green screen technology was still pretty new, so they had to sort of stay uh, on these wide shots away from the Colossal Man. But I do recall as a kid seeing this film and being so shocked by his face... Um, I was probably the same, same age, five, six, something like that. But seeing his face and seeing how disformed and disfigured it was, was really, really, um, uh, uh, terrifying to me. And the other thing, and to, to your point about sort of, uh, the empathy that King Kong brought to the mm-hmm. table, this had the same kind of effect where at the end of the film, he, attacks they're they're up at uh, the Griffith uh, uh, observatory in Los Angeles he picks up a school bus shakes the school bus full of the kids and then he even though he's this this 
literally hulking monster, he has this moment, this gestalt where he realizes. I shouldn't shake this bus full of kids. <laughs> I shouldn't shake the bus, bus full of kids. They don't have seatbelts on buses. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can get right. them out easy. Right. And that I'm a I'm really a, a horrible person. And he walks over to these huge transmission lines, grabs the transmission lines, and kills himself. Oh. And. It's really sad. I watched it last night, and it was still a really, really sad. Now, the other thing I think is really f- fascinating about it, though, is the film, uh, both the 1957 and the 1958, are all shot black and white, mm-hmm. save for, in this one, in the second film, save for the last like five minutes of the film where he kills himself, it's shot in color. Weird. Yeah, and oh. so it, it just flips over yeah. to color all of a sudden as he's grabbing the transmission lines and shocking yeah. himself, which is also shocking. Yeah, so I, it would have been—it's too bad yeah. that they didn't—they didn't do Attack of the Fifty-Foot Woman with the Amazing Colossal Man double feature. That would have been great. Uh, it'd be perfect. Or the amazing, or the Incredible Shrinking Man, which was yeah. also you know another that, that right, right, the, right, the opposite right. direction. That would have been a great one too. Right. I don't think I I, I don't think that uh, Attack of the Fifty-Foot Woman was an AIP film though. Um, I don't know, but I don't uh, know. Yeah. Anyways, all yeah. I know is, uh, but that, that, but that was that was you, you, your, your childhood uh, empathy moment. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I came to the realization that Stanley is a total ripoff artist. And and, and you knew that. That's a that's you, a whole like, whole different. You story. knew that when you were six. <laughs> six like, <laughs> wait a minute, ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Liz. Okay. I also have creatures in my first film, but it is not an oldie. Uh, as a kid who grew up watching The Muppet Show all the time, <laughs> when The Dark Crystal came out, oh, that yeah. is what came home oh, from the video yeah. store. So The Dark Crystal is Jim Henson's 1982, I'm going to call it a masterpiece, about yes. um, Jen and Kira, the Gelflings, who are I'm no venturing. <laughs> yeah, they're so uh, venturing, a, you know, uh, like across a land while there's the evil Skeksis trying to, they're trying to repair the shard to bring the land back together and the Skeksis don't want that to happen because they want control. Um, talk about scary as shit looking uh, puppets, which are really mm-hmm. puppets. Yeah. Skeksis are terrifying like <laughs> decrepit kind of birds with like hunchbacks and yeah, rotten and they're yeah they're gross vultures and they're terrifying there's a cast of hilarious characters through the thing that also scares the shit out of kids though there's fez gig their little dog with like oh, extra rows of teeth yes there's the gelflings who are kind of weird looking too uh voiced by um Jim Henson, that does Jem. And I, this is just one that I will always remember as being glued to the screen. But I'm sure my dad thought, like, oh, it's the Muppets. It's Jim Henson. <laughs> it's going to be fine for, like, a five-year-old. And yeah. it was. But it um, definitely started me liking things that were darker. This was like, oh, wait, the Muppets. The Muppets are kind of a little bit dark, too. There's definitely some skits that kids did not understand back then that now when you watch it. Uh, But The Dark Crystal is one that I will watch over and over and over to this day. The puppetry and how good it looks. You know, it's like watching the original Star Wars. And I know kids these days are like, that looks terrible. No, in my eyes, it will always look perfect because it it holds up. Practical effects or puppets hold up over CGI. I think that for in the same way that King Kong still holds up, that mm-hmm. that the, the, the craftsmanship is unmatched. Yeah. Uh, that that they really nobody's nobody has outdone the Dark Crystal relative to puppet puppet no. animation. I don't think so, and I have not seen the Dark Crystal series that came out on Netflix. Yeah, uh, short lived. I had not yeah. ventured there. Um, I don't know if I will. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. I, I, I always thought Uncle uh, Deadly from The Muppet Show, who was like the mm-hmm. Phantom, 
on The Muppet Show. Oh, yeah. He always scared the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) The Muppet Show, I was obsessed with. I thought Miss Piggy was just the epitome of glamour. (laughs) 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 Miss Piggy pillow upstairs. Uh, You know, I wanted to, I had like purple gloves that I would wear like Miss Piggy. I had a Miss Piggy big wheel. Heck yeah. Miss Piggy. So, and the rainbow connection will still bring me to tears when Aww. I hear it these days. And whenever I see a fork in the road, I think of the Muppet movie where it's a giant fork in the middle of the actual road. <laughs> 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 the Muppets and Jim Henson have influenced me, and The Dark Crystal is a great way to show how it can get a little scary, but still. Oh my gosh, beautiful. is it ever? And yeah. It's, it's creepy. I think if you showed it to. A kid my age, like when I was probably five watching it, if it came out in 1982 in the theaters, I don't know how long until I got to home video, mm-hmm. maybe 83, so I was six. Um, yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, but, for, for sure. For, for, for young sure. children, it's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I like it. Okay. Intense and scary. All right. All right. So, Eric. Um, Eric. going back to 1987. Okay. Um, the Fall mm. of 1987. The fall of 1987. Mike will. This is oh. this is. Um, Mike will find this familiar because Uh-oh. the podcast started. The, this is um, <laughs> University in University of Oregon. Uh huh. Chris Chris Ralph's room. Go Ducks. Um, so there are our one of our our Patreon contributors, Chris. Yeah. Um, also a friend of ours, Jared Carlson. Uh huh. You. Uh huh. Mike and I. Yeah, watched Evil Dead Two. Ooh, in, 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 this was in, and this was it came out in 1987. We knew it's like I had seen you know it's like Evil Dead. The first Evil Dead was uh, a renowned uh, forbidden fruit. That it was you know I think it seems kind of quaint now in, in in retrospect. Did it really come out in 87? Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead 2, 1987. So really, came I would have thought it was earlier. Huh? No. Okay. Because um, okay. uh, Evil Dead One was 1981. Right. Um, Evil Dead Two, and and so we saw it on on VHS in yeah. Chris's room, as you should. And this was all of a sudden. <laughs> so this is not quite the. This isn't the high school sleep or, or the junior high school sleepover that the thing was. Right. For me, but this was. Um, this was the thing that bonded me to our the, my dorm mates. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Like, you, Chris, and sure, sure. Jared, and probably Kyle Anderson was probably there too. Yep, yep. If he wasn't just stoned out of his mind. <laughs> um, but uh, we had one hell of a time watching this. We were it's like, yeah. it's like you know, dead by dog, dead right, by dog, right, right, right. all this kind of stuff, and there was and 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 just the vomit spewing, and we were just howling with laughter. We had so much fun. Yeah, and that was like, I've got my community of horror fans now. Granted, I think I think Jared still will comment on on some stuff, and and Chris has been a, a, a he was a, a film major, and yeah, um, and he even had to admit how masterful it was because I think the that the buzz was coming. That Chris this has was, not made a horror film yet, though. Come on, Chris. Yeah, I you know. can do better, Chris. Do better. You, you can do better. Do, do something. He, he's done a couple of documentaries. He's done a couple of documentaries. He needs to do a horror film. Um, but you know, I think this cemented um, my you know because I think as a as a kid I grew up and it's like did I grow out of it? No, Uh-oh. no, no, no. This was this was and after this I think that we that that we went to see uh, um, the John Carpenter uh, Prince uh, of Darkness. Prince of Darkness, and yeah. then. Later on, Mike and I would be doing we we would run movies for our dorm mates. Yeah, and so we absolutely. would get we would get, I think we got Killer Clowns from Outer Space and the Blob and yep. But this was all of a sudden I I I went I've got I've got a horror community. Yeah, and that's why and and, and ever since then I knew that you were into it. <laughs> and then which which fast forward uh, from that point. Uh, twenty five years to twenty seventeen, where we get all of a sudden now it's like, hey man, I'm bored. <laughs> let's Back like, in the let's, dorms. let's after yeah. after watching. It's like I think we might have bottomed out on whatever movie madness has in the horror rack. We were very wrong on that account. Oh my um, god! But but it was the kind of a thing where all of a sudden it, it it it's like if I'm I've got a I've got a kindred spirit to do to to watch horror movies with that that sort of informed me because you more than the other two 
were it's like you were you were down with because we were we were oh also, my gosh yeah, yeah we were yeah. also you know going because Mike and I also roomed together throughout the upcoming years. And Chris would always be going for thing movies like Paris, Texas, <laughs> and so it's like I don't. If you watch Paris, Texas, I think we got sorority girls in the slime ball bolorama. Yeah, I think that was it was because that was we were trying to find the sleaziest, most antithetical movie to Paris, Texas that right. we could. I'm not it, watching Bergman, but it all but but this this dates back to. I think that, that we recognized that we had the same taste when we watched Evil Dead 2. Yep. And it was yeah. uh, and it was so silly and so gross. And after I think I don't know if we plugged it in and watched it again, but it was like it was amazing. I, I love and, and, and I, I do seemingly seemingly recall watching that like multiple times over the course of a weekend. Yeah. When yeah, when probably. you probably well, had to get it in before you had to return the tape. Yeah, right. Because what was Because the, there was that. Because it was that that video store that was next to the Hirons Drugs on Franklin Boulevard. I think. Yep. That's, that's exactly where it was. So, yeah. Which yep, is now anyways. the Matthew Knight Arena. Yep. Hmm. All right. So that was my 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 second second key film of movies that made me. All right. This is my sleepover horror film. This is a 1979 psychological body horror film. The Brood. Uh, wow. This, of course, is the foundation for my fear of dwarves. Uh, this <laughs> film uh, follows a man and his mentally ill ex-wife who has been sequestered by a psychiatrist known for his controversial therapy known as psychoplasmatics, which is just the just the best. Uh, this is, yeah, um, uh, man, what a... What a I think this is. I mean, I know there's. We we discussed this recently in the context of Canadian horror, but I think this is definitely the best of the um, Cronenberg films. All of a sudden, it comes back to me. Yes. Last episode, I was trying to place the Cronenberg movie. It was Shivers. Oh, Shivers! Right, 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 mm. right. Yeah, this <sighs> this one's incredible too because this um, this Cronenberg uh, conceived of this film as he was amidst this incredibly acrimonious divorce, uh-huh. and he had seen he was in a bitter bitter custody battle with his wife at the time, and he had seen Kramer versus Kramer, and he oh, was speaking of a he was movie. he was disillusioned, yeah. believe it or not, by the sort of optimistic portrayal of the family breakdown and the couple's separation in Kramer by uh, Kramer versus Kramer. And so he was like, Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to crank this up and I'm going to take this. I'm going to take divorce in a very, very, very different uh, way. But my favorite, my favorite review came from Leonard Malton who reviewed the film in two sentences. Egger eats her own Afterbirth, while midget clones beat grandparents and <laughs> y- lovely young school teachers to death with mallets. It's a big, wide, wonderful world we are living in, and rated it an outright bomb. <laughs> Leonard, Leonard Malton, once again, you could not be any more wrong. I think this is definitely the best. Eating of- a placenta is a lot of fun. Right, right, right. I think this is definitely. I think this is definitely the best Cronenberg film. Um, this uh, was listed on the Chicago Film Association's top 100 horror movies of all time. I know it's on my top 25 list. It's never quite cracked our top um, 100 list. Uh, the Bravo Channel did uh, rate one of the sequences. Uh, number 78 with the dwarves, uh, number 78 on its scariest 100 moments of all time. So I think there's definitely fans out there. It is a weird film. It's a film, it's a horror film like, uh, well, I, I would argue probably had never quite been done in 1979. Like it had never been done previously. And I don't think it's quite ever been done since 1979. I mean, not not tackling a subject like this in quite this same way or even even remotely in the yeah, same I, way I, I think that you know yeah. rel- I mean you, you try and think of the thing the the, the sticking points you know so the, the, there's the the psychokinetic kind of a yeah. thing and the uh, and the the children as you know the, or the brood being right a uh, manifestation out- of, of her the, aggression uh, yeah. yeah and and plus and the divorce, you know, birth, the yeah. birth 
the, the birthing scene, it, I, I, man, it's just so raw. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah. so rough. But this was, you know, this was, uh, I guess I was probably, this was when a lot of these films obviously were released in the theater, but then went to HBO, went to Showtime, went to Cinemax. Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, I mean, within months, they were, they yeah. were landing on yeah, those... The, those streaming channels. And so I saw this at a, at a sleepover, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Oh, hell yeah. It's one o'clock in the morning. It's like, things are just getting going. Uh, we're going to be staying up till, you know, three to watch this frigging movie. And then, yeah, you, you, you go home the next day, you know, completely bleary eyed and and disoriented, trying to traumatize, traumatize, trying to process what the hell you've just seen. Uh, yeah. And the brood was that film that really, uh, set me on my way for the darker and more horrifying aspects of the horror sub genre. Liz, what is your next film? Okay, I'll go with my sleepover movie. Uh, I remember seeing this probably in fourth grade at my friend Fairly Cook's house. I'm sure we got it from the ZM video up the street. It's a 1980 movie, though, and it's a Disney movie that haunts me to this day. I still find it to be one of the scariest films I've ever seen, and it is called The Watcher in the Woods, starring Betty Davis. Oh, Um, wow. The basic plot is when a family moves to a country home, the young girls experience strange happenings that have the link to an occult event in the years past. Uh, Scared the crap out of me. Uh, it has some fantastic jump scares, including probably the first cat jump scare I have ever seen. <laughs> a little good cat jump scare. So maybe that's why it always gets me to this day. Um, so it stars Betty Davis as Mrs. Aylwood, who is like the crotchety old lady who lives in the big house. And um, it has a bunch of other kind of no-name people. But then there is... Young Kyle Richards, later to become a real housewife of Beverly Hills, as wow. Ellie Curtis, the little girl who gets possessed by the ghost of Betty Davis's, is she missing or is she dead, young daughter, Karen. Um, yeah, it's a cult. It's possession. It's scary shit. And hey, it's Disney and it's rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I've um, I have never seen Watcher in the Woods, and now, but I am what? I am yeah, I know me, me I neither. I am super intrigued. Oh I'm I'm definitely going to go and and watch it. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, I liked this fact though, um, <laughs> that the producer pitched the project to the execs at Disney by saying this could be our Exorcist. <laughs> but it's for but children. It's, but it's PG. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's for it's children. Come on. Come on. And it's for children. Um, oh, in, Disney. <laughs> yes. To this day, I. I mean, I can remember every single thing about this movie. I rewatched it preparing for this, and it's still scary. I mean, it looks terrible because it's, you know, filmed in 1980, and it's, you know, when you see it on your screen, it's still in a a square. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But uh, in 2017, Melissa Joan Hart, uh, Clarissa explains it all, tried, or she did, she remade this. And a TV movie starring Angelica Houston in the uh, Betty Davis role. I have not seen that. It's kind of like the remake of Martyrs. I'm not going to see it. Uh, (laughs) The Watcher in the Woods scared me to death. Besides Poltergeist, that's probably the scariest movie I'd seen in my uh, younger years. But, oh, man, you can get your hands on it. It's uh, I had to you know, buy it on Amazon for like the three ninety nine. But if you have a local library, I'm sure they have it on DVD. Oh yeah. Probably find it on YouTube. Oh my God. And it's got, it's got Kyle Richards from Halloween. Lindsay. Oh, wow. Well, she's now the real housewife. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. She plays the young girl. Oh my gosh. Well, there's, Mm -hmm. there's some horror provenance for you. My God. Ah, You can't beat that. She showed up in the, the second Halloween. Halloween uh, kills. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yep. All right. So, I definitely would uh, recommend I am it. watching The Watch Watcher, Watcher in, in the, the Woods. woods. Okay. It's creepy as hell. So, uh, for my next uh, transformative horror movie, this is this is one which is the validation of what we're doing here. Oh, okay. So, okay. I'm going to jump to 2018. Woo! This is What? This is uh, New Orleans. Uh-oh. This I think is, I know this story. This is Hereditary. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, and and this is not only it, do I consider it to be sort of a, you know a Hall of Fame top ten scary movie movie. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It this was this represented a number of things. Uh, if not for this movie, I would not have met Liz. Right, yeah, that's true. which is super important. If not for meeting Liz, I would have not had the contact uh, or the the better contact with Gwen and Brian, who have been transformative to what we do. Yeah, on the scariest thing. I think this was also my first. We still big, had a crappy podcast in 2018. Yes, we did. <laughs> it was, it was, we were we were kind of struggling along, but this was this was sort of the, this was a prove it moment because this was also my first horror convention. Right, mm-hmm. and this was the, this was something, and this was the headliner. And after I saw this, I went, "I am doing the right thing." <laughs> the scariest things. Ari Aster has confirmed yeah, my yeah. path. Yeah. This is this was um, it, you know, and the fact that I got to go to this, uh, you know, coming off of a buzz and seeing that, going out and sitting in the bar and meeting Udo Kier, and then mo- meeting Darren Lynn Bousman. Yep, yep, uh, yep. And 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 just being able to you know share within the horror community and being accepted within the horror community. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, being in this old theater, getting just with all those oh shit moments. And and just sort of sidebarring with Liz during these moments, it's like, dude, when her head hits the telephone pole, <laughs> the entire theater, the everybody said, said oh, "Oh shit," <laughs> and then was silent. Spoiler I mean, alert: Charlie's head in hits the telephone theater. pole. Yeah, because yeah. The, because they also sat and made you wait with Peter as he was processing. Yes. We were processing with it, and that kind of thing never happens. You don't ever yeah, yeah, get yeah. the the sort of the 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 consequences of something awful yeah, like that, yeah, but there was, yeah. you know, Peter and the desk, Steve catching fire, Annie beheading herself, the miniature work, the Peter Peter banging story. his head on the desk. Yeah, that that was that yeah. Peter versus the desk. Oh, yeah. Peter versus yeah. the desk. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and this is. Is this a is this a is this did this end up on your top ten of all time or is this top twenty five? I think it's so much. I think it's in my top ten. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just yeah. think top it's ten. More, yeah. Uh, it. I think it's like nine or ten on my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's in mine um, too. And and I you know here's what I and we were talking about this a little bit last week, Eric. I, I think what's so interesting is that now everything gets everything 2018 forward gets it's, compared to it's hereditary and it's like it's like ooh this film out hereditary hereditary but they're taking the they same pages hereditary, hereditary, they're yeah. taking yeah. the same pages from the same playbook which is really really discordant and very shocking things that right. you would not think to put together in a scene uh, like, and I think this year's hereditary is obviously, uh, when evil, when evil lurks is, is, is got a lot of the same elements and a lot of the same qualities and it's, but you automatically, when you're watching it, you call right back to hereditary and go, oh, this is where it started. It's, it's it a started. It started right here. Because previous benchmark would have been exorcist or the shining. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and for, when you're talking about intelligently made scary movies, yep. Um, you know, where this, like, there have been some ones previous to this that, that had kind of gotten the buzz in the independent scene, Babadook, yeah. uh, The Witch, yeah. uh, things like yeah. that. But they, they weren't this scary. No, and they, and they didn't, they didn't and contain they any, this, any scenes. The violence, they yeah. didn't have that kind of, that uh-uh. level of visceral. No, sir. Visceral terror. So anyway, so this is, it. this one, this one will remain with me for all those reasons. The, the fact that it's a great movie, but it meant so much to me for what we do on the scariest things. And cause it also, I think it was at the time it, it became the buzziest thing that I had written yeah. for the scariest things. It still remains one of the more reviewed posts that I've done. Cause that was mm-hmm. the second showing ever. Like yeah. it premiered at South by or Sundance and then came to Overlook. It, yeah. It was Sundance. Sundance first. Yeah, it skips Overlook South was by. at a different time of yeah. year that time. Cause it was, I think April. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So All that's, right. so, uh, is it, Mike, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my last film. This is this is the VHS phase of my life, and this was during the lean, 
the lean Reagan years in the 1980s when my dad was uh, in and out of employment, as was uh, a good portion of the country, he ended up, uh, because he had a sales background, managing a series of video stores in Spokane, Washington. And he, it was, it was that, but that job was also very short lived, as was many jobs in the 1980s. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. Uh, But, uh, my dad invited me early on out to the video store and said, oh, we can take home a Laserdisc player and we can take home whatever Laserdisc oh, you wow. want. Laser and I was like, oh, my God, a la- Laserdisc? What? Wait a second. What? I, 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 my brain could not comprehend something so incredibly cool. And I, purely based on the movie poster or in this case, the cover of the Laserdisc, picked up the Dario Argento film Four Flies on Grey Velvet. And this is an early uh, of the Argento films. This one's from 1971. That's pretty heady pickup for a a young... young, Laserdisc? Yeah, incredibly so. As opposed to Slumber Party Massacre. Incredibly so. It's uh, so heady and so complicated that Gene Siskel said that Argento's script contains more red herrings than a Cape Cod room. (laughs) Each time, evidence overwhelmingly points to a possible threat of our bushy-haired hero. That person is bumped off and the guessing game begins anew. I didn't find that rhythm the least bit entertaining. Gene Siskel, you could be no more wrong. Uh, this film is, uh, like all Argento films, incredibly complicated, and I would not even begin to try to explain the plot to people, save for it is loud, it is brash, it is colorful, the editing is fascinating, and the film ends in a decapitation that... Uh, Obviously, they stole for the omen. I mean, in the, the same same kind Sheeting of thing. Glass. She, uh, she uh, a car car accident, car okay. accident, uh, uh, decapitation. But that's, I mean, all those things taken together uh, really set me on the path for my love of obviously horror, but in particular my love of geologists because they are so wild, so brash, so colorful, so loud, so engaging. Um, this. Uh, um, apparently, uh, when Argento was making this, he considered Terrence Stamp, uh, for the, huh. for the main role. He even considered, uh, several members of the Beatles who were also apparently interested oh. in being in the Argento film, but then Argento decided, no, I'm going to go with sort of, uh, sort of a nobody, Michael Brandon, and I'm going to use him as the, as the lead character, the member of a... Uh, rock band. He's the drummer of a rock band who is, uh, the, the, the basic premise is he's being followed by a suspicious figure. He chases and confronts this, uh, this stalker who pulls a knife, uh, and then they get into a scuffle and he accidentally kills the man. And then the, the masked figure, uh, there's a masked figure who snaps a, a series of photographs of this happening. And then there's you know, threatening blackmail type letters going back and forth. And that's, you know, that's as far as I'm going to go into the story because it gets so complicated. But <laughs> I would, I would, uh, is there, what is there a leather glove and a hunting knife? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But I have a glove. And I, I, I would encourage yeah, folks to go take a look and maybe we'll post this when we post this episode. Go take a look at the trailer for Four Flies on Grey Velvet. It is absolutely bonkers. And why they don't make trailers like this anymore, I have no idea. Because to me, again, it's brash, it's loud, it's colorful, it's wild, it's engaging, it's interesting. You know, so many of the trailers today are just goddamn boring, and they give way too much about the story. This is this very oblique pastiche of images that you have no idea what it is you're looking at. I think trying to give away a Dario Argento story would be yeah, you wouldn't hard. be able to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't do it. In a, yeah, you probably, you're right. I, uh, that's a, that's a good just point. Too many, too many loops and backtrack. I mean, you could show the key, the key elements and you wouldn't spoil anything because true, true. The, the sequencing of how these things and the the amount of subterfuge in his, in yeah. his stories. Yeah, 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 would, yeah. Would prevent that from being too spoilery. Right. 
Right. Obviously, in uh, obviously in 2023, Argento has not made a good film for many, many, many years, and opera, continue. You think? Yeah, probably opera. Maybe it was one of the last last okay that was ones. Still the 80s, huh? Yeah. yeah. He continues to kind of turn out really pretty, uh, pretty terrible film. The Black Glasses was the last one I think he did last year, wasn't it? Uh, last year, year before. Yeah, not a great film. It was okay. So it had a couple okay elements, but it just just really wasn't that good. You know, prior to that, it was, you know, uh, Dario Argento's Dracula. It was, uh, it was mm. Mother of Tears. It was, yeah. I mean, he's turned out a lot of junk, and it's it's kind of sad that he continues to sort it's, of plug away at it. But in a way, it's like John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. right. Because like, Carpenter hasn't done a great horror movie in a very long time. No, but no. he's but he's got but. His catalog is his catalog pre nineteen ninety is unimpeachable, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, same, sure. Same, same thing with Argento. Yep. It's that that you know, and Romero suffered from the same thing. And yep. At certain points, like there's only so many of the deads that you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Liz. What is your last film of the night? Okay. This would have tied in well with uh, Eric talking about Hereditary because I blame this film for making me a pretentious A24 fan. (laughs) Um, Of this film's 40th anniversary, Ed Power from The Independent said that it was a quote-unquote classic, but which, quote, arguably traumatized an entire generation. This is... 1978's not for children cartoon Watership Down. Oh wow! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure my dad brought this home from the video store, seeing cartoon bunnies on the cover of the VHS. Oh Lord! This would be perfect for my five to six year old child. It's not, folks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's based on the beautiful, beautiful book by uh, Richard Adams. But it is um, described as an animated adventure (laughs) drama. Um, As opposed to animal slaughter. Yes. But it is... the premise of Watership Down, if you do not know, is hoping to escape destruction by human developers and save their community. A colony of rabbits led by Hazel and Fiverr seek out a safe place to set up a new warren. Um, there is infighting with the rabbits. There's like a mass rabbit suicide. There's rabbits getting ripped apart by other rabbits and then by a dog before one of them dies and ascends to the rabbit version of heaven. It's traumatizing. It's like the hereditary of <laughs> my like six year old existence. I mean, rabbit I think. Hereditary. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that when these rabbits started ripping each other apart, and there is cartoon blood flying across the screen, that was my first oh yeah. shit moment. Yeah. Um, did, did you watch? God, did you watch the what was it twenty 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 one Netflix version? Yes, yeah. I did. Which is okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's it, tamer. It, oh, it's definitely. I was just gonna say it's it's tamer. Uh, it's a, a lot less bloody. It's a lot less yeah. gory. It's a lot less frightening. Uh, yeah. Although my <laughs> this movie my, is terrifying. My cat loved it because for some <laughs> for some reason she she never gloms onto anything on the TV. But man, Rabbits. while we watched that for whatever however many nights we watched it, she was glued to the TV watching those rabbits it's every so single funny. night. Yeah. Well, since that, I mean, I. I've watched this film the every couple even for of Watership years. Down. Yeah, it's like it's man, it's a... the rabbit is horrifying. Yeah. but I've read the book. I love the book. I yeah, like book a is great. Beautiful, nineteen seventy-two uh, edition, and oh my god, it's probably one of my favorite books ever written. Yep. And yep. the book is much less traumatizing <laughs> than the cartoon. I still <laughs> remember like the, the 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 rabbits in it was like a, a a section cut through the tunnels, and they were all. That was the that they they, they were all sort like of sta- a suicide, yeah. like a mass suicide too. Oh yeah, and then trying to get out, they're all like crammed they're, in there. And they're, and they're, and, yeah, they're, oh god, claustrophobia. Yeah, it's claustrophobic. It's horrible. So I mean, yes, I think it did traumatize a generation. <laughs> I mean, because I will never forget it. But it was good animation too. I mean, it was it's like great consi- animation compared to like this the stuff that they they would offer up at the time normally for kids on like. Was was Hanna Barbera stuff or Rankin Bass and and this yeah. one, they 
Yeah, this was. Who, I, this was this was impressive. And do to, you know who did the, the I'm animation looking at, for it, it? It says, um, produced and directed by Mar, um, Martin Rosen. Yeah, like who just, the just, animator is, I'll have to look. But okay. like, yeah. so every year, John every Hurt once was in, in a this. while. Yeah, he's the voice of Fiverr. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some horror cred. But um, Criterion was going to put out an edition, and Gerard Jones, who was going to write the essay for the film, says that this film has troubled me ever since I first saw it. <laughs> and well, like everybody, uh, I think, who is my age, you know, in their mid to late 40s, mm-hmm. if you can remember this, it definitely affected you. And... Also, I think it's probably rated G, but it's supposed yeah. to get um, some really good oh, releases. Yeah, no. I'd love to see like a fully restored, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool version. to get yeah, like a least like a four a four K version. This year, but that's what it says. The BFI had planned to release a four K Blu Ray this year, but said they had to cancel it due to external issues beyond their control. I feel that's just like kids these days can't handle it. <laughs> that's right. They're getting soft. It's all yeah. of a sudden it went from went from G to rated R just yep. like that. Yes. And I love but I, I also love the name like the the rabbits but they have these sweet names like Blackberry yeah. and Pippin or or Pipkin there's Big Wig. Wig. You know he's yeah. going to be an asshole. Yeah, no. Oh, that, was, that was the that was like the, the throwdown, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, that's um, yeah. That movie was rough. It's fantastic, but I was like, when I was rewatching it, because I was like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna pick this. Uh, I was like, this is why I'm a pretentious A24 kid. This is like, <laughs> oh, we're all happy, skipping through the meadow. Bam! Rabbits are ripped apart. Everybody's dying. <laughs> and it reminds me, it's like a child's version of Hereditary for me. It was an yeah. oh shit moment. But I love it. And yep. it's gorgeous. And I'd say seek out the original. And then the Netflix one is not bad. But yeah. read the book. Read yeah. the book. So yeah. is the Netflix one animated? Yep. It, okay. Yes. But it's, you know, fancy looking animation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing throughout all these films is that empathy plays big in the role of a horror podcaster. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's, well, that's, that's the found that's the foundation. If I was to psychoanalyze very quickly all three of our, our picks, I would say that empathy is the main and most foundational driver amongst all of us. Yep. Uh, well, I, I yeah. it has to get some sort of an emotional reaction out of me to stick with me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and these uh I think uh King Kong Watership Down and uh the Amazing Colossal Man. The Amazing Colossal <laughs> Man, uh War of the uh War of the Colossal Beast. Yes, all have that in common. All right, Liz, you want to take us out with a tagline? I've got a tagline from Watcher in the Woods, and the tagline is, are you scared of going into the woods? You should be. Uh You should be scared of 1980. You should be scared of Disney. (laughs) You should be scared of Disney. (laughs) 